Uh, we have a lot to do, a lot to talk about today. God's got a lot in store for us, so we're just going to kind of get rolling here and dive in and, and, and see where God takes us today. But in this series, we are asking this question. We're exploring what, what we think, what I think, uh, can truly be a defining question. And you've been invited to ask this question. It's a, it's a clarifying question that will bring clarity for you to give you the best options in pretty much most arenas of your life. It's extremely relevant, this question, if you're exploring faith in God. It's extremely relevant for those of you who are newer in the faith. And for those who have been walking with Jesus for decades and decades, you probably actually get the most out of this. It's extremely relevant for you. And the, this is the question. It, it actually helps and gives you, the, it, it's almost like this foolproof uh, to help you with your relationships to help you with your marriage, with your finances, with how you handle your calendar, how you kind of go through life and the pace at which you live life. It could even help you even with your health. But most of all, this, by asking this question and seeking this out, this will help you grow and strengthen your relationship with the Lord, to grow in the Lord and to develop in your relationship with God. If you will choose to make this question, which is what we're hoping you'll do, make it a lifelong habit. In asking this question, it's going to save you an incredible amount of money and time and tears and regrets and having to apologize. It'll save you from all of that. If you're not a Christ follower yet, you, can, you might choose to say, oh, I'm not ready to go down this path, and that's okay. You could say this is optional for you. But man, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, if you're someone who wants God's will for your life, if you're someone who actually seeks to glorify God with your life, man, this question is really like... It ought to be kind of that staple guiding part of your or guiding question in your decision making arsenal. And if you ask it, and if you follow through with it, your relationship with God is going to thrive and flourish, but also your relationships with others. The defining question we, we, we started to open up with last week and we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 and laid it out there. Paul laid it out for us. And out of that passage, we see that the question is this, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wisest thing to do? What's the wise thing for me to do? Not just what's the right thing to, to do. That, that's okay and you can do that, but this is better than just right. It's not about what's the legal thing to do. This is a way better question than what's the legal thing to do. Not that there's anything wrong with that. This is not what, what can I get by with or what can I get away with. This is way better than that. What's the wise thing for me to do? And Paul invited us to ask that question based on Ephesians chapter 5. Biblical expositor and, and teacher Charles Stanley, I like how he said it in term, when he was talking about wisdom and being wise. He says this. He said, God calls us to be wise in every decision of our lives. We need his wisdom in our business dealings, our health choices, our relationships, our parenting, finances, and our walk with him. No area of life is beyond need, ignored by God's word, or off limits to his wisdom. So I asked you this week to do a little homework. I said, you didn't have to do anything about it, but I asked you to at least ask the question. Here's the question. Did you actually ask the question this week? Now, don't raise your hand. I don't want, maybe I don't want to know the answer, but did you actually do that? Did you start thinking about it? 
Now, if I had time, I'd explore with you a whole bunch of uh, examples that came up with me this week. I don't have time to do that. One of them, because I asked the question, and it actually saved me from getting hit by a car. I won't go into the details. All you need to know is I didn't get hit. I'm still standing here. I'm not in the hospital. But it's because I asked the question this week. Um, And so there's all sorts of areas of your life I hope you asked this question about this week. And if you did, what did you observe? What did God reveal to you? And let me ask you this, the most important area of your life I hope you asked this question in regards to was your spiritual walk with the Lord. Did you ask the question as it pertains to you and God? To your walk with Him? To what your relationship looks like with Him? I hope you did. I hope you started exploring that. Today, we're going to continue the conversation. And there's a man named Solomon in the Old Testament. He was uh, purported to be the wisest person who ever lived. And he wrote a few of the books in the Bible. He wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And he wrote the book of Song of Solomon. And, and by the way, if you're kind of one of those people who are like, man, I try to read the Bible but every once in a while, or when I pick it up, I find that it's just a little boring or whatever. If that's the case, I'm just telling you right now, you've never read the Song of Solomon, okay? Uh, because if you read the Song of Solomon, you know it's just not boring. But these books he wrote are so full of wisdom and insight and wisdom about life. And in the book of Proverbs specifically, Solomon says this. He says there's basically four kinds of people. Or we, our lives fall into four different categories at various parts of our lives. He says there's that wise person who's looking at their past circumstances, their current situations, and, and, and their future hopes and dreams, and they're asking what's the wise thing to do. But he also said there's three other types of people, and they're going to be represented in these three seats today. And that's what we're going to look at today, and we're going to explore that. Now, I want to warn you up front. What we're going to talk about today, what God's going to reveal to us today through his word, it has a chance to be uh, offensive to some of us here today. So I just want to warn you up front that that's that's going to happen, and you're going to find yourself sitting there going, well, man, that's offensive, but... I'm encouraging you, hang in there. Be willing to listen to what it is that God might want to say to you today through his word. Now, uh, before we dive in, a couple, couple quick thoughts. First of all, as we're going to go into this, we're going to talk about uh, uh, these types of people. Uh, uh, the, there's kind of one rule this morning that I have. Okay, this is just my thing. Uh, it's, not a, it's not in the Bible or anything. This is my rule today. Here's the rule. No elbows. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? No elbows. So uh, just to get it out of your system, what I want you to do right now is I want you to elbow the person next to you. Okay, just get it out of your system now. Get it out. Uh, go ahead and elbow them. You know, and if you want to elbow them far enough to, you know, to push them away, you can do that. It's all good. But I, I really, I want you to do it now. Get it out of your system. There's no elbows today. In other words, you don't need the person next to you to play the Holy Spirit today. Okay, you you tracking with me? In fact, I want you to turn to the person next to you, even if you don't know them, and say, you aren't the Holy Spirit. Do that right now. (laughs) All right, we all clear. We got the the rules, right? We, We know where we're headed today. Now, Solomon's about to tell us, if you don't choose wisdom, remember that, that in Ephesians 5, Paul was telling us, you got to pursue wisdom, be wise. And Solomon's going to tell us, if you don't pursue wisdom, if that's not an active part of your life, then you will find yourself accidentally, by default, pursuing one of these types of people. 
And that's where he's going to take us today. So let's begin and let's talk about this. The first chair that some people opt with in, in some of their decision making in their life, the first chair he's going to refer to as the simple. Okay, hopefully you can see this. If you can't see it in the back, uh, it says the simple. <laughs> I, you know, and my eyes are getting worse now. And I've, I, I don't know if any of you, uh, as your eyes got worse, did you resist getting glasses? Because you were like, if I do that, then i got to just tell you, be honest, I'm in that phase right now. I went and got a prescription, because uh, I had LASIK years ago. I went and got a prescription, and I only use them for driving at night, because I was like, I probably shouldn't kill anybody when I'm driving. And so I wear them at night, and people are like, why don't you wear them all the time? I was like, because once I do that, so you understand what I'm saying? So all of you in the back, if your eyes are failing, I understand it. I get it. I'm not wearing glasses yet. It says the simple, okay, the simple. The simple person, the reason they're simple, or the reason that they're not wise, and the reason that they're simple it's not because they're against wisdom. It's not because they're, they're like, oh, I don't want wisdom. It's really because they're naive. You could oftentimes say they're too young to know any better. Sometimes we might call this person the clueless person. Now again, no elbows. Leave the elbows out of it. The simple person isn't bad. They're not evil. They're not dumb. They're not trying to ruin their life. They're not trying to ruin your life. They're just kind of sort of clueless. The simple person lacks something that older people tend to have. Not everybody has it, but they tend to have. They lack experience. Singer, songwriter, and I guess sometimes theologian, Taylor Swift... She got it exactly right when she sang in the song, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to what? Come on, some of you know the song. Some of you are like, I'm not stepping up. So the next service, the teenagers will know the song, but some of you are embarrassed to say that you know the answer. When you're 15 and some cute boy and somebody tells you they love you, the song goes on and says, you're going to believe them. You're going to believe them. What's she saying? She's saying, hey, when you're 15 years old and some cute dude says, hey, I love you. You know, that girl's going to believe him. Why? Is it because she's dumb? Now, some of you might say yes, but no, that's not the reason. It's not because she's dumb. Is it because there's something wrong with her? Some of you might say yes, but no, that's not the reason. Is it because she's a bad person? No. It's simply because she's 15. And that's kind of what goes along with being 15. It's not a criticism. And some people, when they find themselves in this category, what we're saying this morning is it's not that, you know, it's, it's not that it's wrong for you where you're at. It, and I know it might sound offensive for hearing this, but the problem is simple people lack experience. Throughout Proverbs, Solomon talks about the simple person. He talks about them throughout Proverbs. And some translations will, say, will use the word naive. Other translations, I like this translation, other translations will use this word, inexperienced. All the same word, all the same meaning. Left to themselves, the simple or the naive or the inexperienced person tends to make a disproportionate amount of unwise decisions. Now, they won't admit it. They won't admit it. Now, why won't they admit it? Because they're naive. They don't know. 
Otherwise, if they knew, they wouldn't be simple. By the way, you could be this person and have been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years. This isn't just a 15-year-old kid. There's this wonderful couple I knew and, and sweetest Christians on earth. They, they don't attend our church here, but great, great people. In certain areas of their life, they actually sit in this seat. I mean, Christ followers who love God for years and years and years, decades. But sometimes they sit in this seat with their life. And here's the reason why. They're inexperienced. And all they know is their experience of Christianity. Their experience of what God's work in their life looks like. What the church might look like. What Christians might look like. Their own understanding of God and Christ and, you know, the ways of God and theology and doctrine and all that. They have great intentions, but they struggle today in church environments because they're inexperienced. In some respects, they're stuck in a, you know, a 1960s version of what the Holy Spirit was doing in people's lives back then. And be careful, Christians. Be careful. You can be older. You, but you can still be simple and naive and inexperienced to what God wants to do in your life, to what God's Word speaks and communicates to you. Solomon wrote a great passage. You can turn there if you want and just kind of go there, but I would encourage you to read it this week. Uh, we're not going to go through it in detail. I'll just summarize it. In Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 27, and, and it speaks about the simple or naive person. And you can read it this week, but let me, let me summarize it for you. In this passage, Solomon is describing a simple man, a young man who is walking into this mess, and he thinks he's in for a good time. And Solomon says to this simple person, he says, it's like he is an ox going to the slaughter. He's like a bird darting into a snare. And what he thinks is actually going to happen and be kind of cool and good for him is going to actually be bad. And in fact, the Bible tells us it's going to cost him his life. And those with life experience, those who've lived a little, if you read through this passage as you're reading through it and it's almost like a movie's playing out and you can hear the music of what's coming next, you're like, no, 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 stop. Don't go with that person. Don't go with her. Don't do that. You're simple. You're naive. You're inexperienced. You're clueless. And it's not a matter of being bad. It's just that the person in the passage lacked experience of life. See, the other thing about the simple people or those who find themselves in the simple chair from time to time in their relationship with Jesus, is maybe they haven't, or maybe you haven't faced consequences that you now factor into your decisions. Whether it's debt, addiction, or whether it's playing loose with sexuality, whether it's not being faithful in your marriage, or maybe whether it's taking your most important relationship, your relationship with Jesus, maybe it's taken it too casual. The simple person has yet to face dire consequences of simple, unwise decisions. Now, I do want to speak to, I think we'll have more in the next service, but I think there's still a few in this service today. There's some of you who might actually still be younger. 
Here's what's cool for you. I, I speak to the, maybe some of those who are in their 20s, maybe early 30s. You can have something that older people like me and older, older, older people like people older than me. <laughs> you can have something that we can't have. Do you know that you can actually have it both ways? Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, you can have the, you can have the benefits of youth and you can have the benefits of wisdom all at the same time. Man, think about it. Remember, some of you kind of remember back. You, know, you remember you're young, your life's ahead of you, you can wear skinny jeans, you know, you can, you can wear your hair that way, and anybody, everybody's like, well, of course they can. They're 18, they're 22, they're 25, they're 30. But when a 50-year-old wears their hair like that, puts on skinny jeans, like what, we're like, no, no, you don't do that. You can do all the cool things that 20-something-year-olds do, right? You can do that. And as a fully devoted Jesus follower, you can also be wise at the same time. You don't have to allow your simpleness that you can't help. You don't have to allow your naiveness that you can't help. I know it's a little bit offensive. You don't have to learn, my, what I'm trying to say is you don't have to learn the hard way. You can have your youth and your wisdom, but you have to seek wisdom. It doesn't come naturally. That's why this is so relevant for all of us. We have to ask for it. We have to seek it. I mean, God writes an entire book in the Bible all about wisdom. In fact, maybe this week, read Proverbs 4. Just read that chapter, and it talks all about wisdom. So don't trade if you're still younger or even if you're older and you're still sitting in the simple chair for a lot of areas of your life. Don't trade for what you want most in the future for what you want in the moment. To the simple, God invites us this morning to ask this question. In light of my past circumstances, in light of my current situations, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what What's the wise thing to do? How can I be wise? The, the second ch chair that Solomon says people sit in, and some live here all the time, some dabble in and out of it, depending on the circumstance or situations in their life. The second chair that Solomon mentions that people sit in is the fool. The fool. Now again, like I said, this is going to be offensive. Because in a moment, God might call some of us fools. So I'm just preparing you ahead of time. This is where God's kind of taken us this morning. The difference between the simple and the fool is that the fool knows. They just don't really care. The fool knows or they don't really care. Hey, don't you know that's going to hurt you? Well, yeah. And you're going to do it anyways? Well, yeah. Why? Well, I, I don't give a rip. I don't, I don't care. Solomon says something, and again, I know it's offensive, but it got my attention. Maybe it'll get your attention. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. Proverbs 26, verse 11, it says this. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit. Okay, this is in the scriptures. I, I want you just for a moment, go ahead, picture it, get the image in your mind. You got the image, right? And, and by the way, for the record, for the record, I love dogs. I do, I love dogs. I love your dogs. <laughs> I just don't love them for me. Okay, so I'm all cool with dogs. But I want you to picture them. You guys who have dogs, you've got to deal with all this. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools 
repeat their folly. It's like, wait, last time you did that, don't you know what happened? Yeah, I remember. But you're going to do it again? Yep. Now, they may not say it, but they end up doing it. Why? Because that's what a fool does. They do it anyways. And then whether it's because they don't care or because they're more focused on the moment, they don't care enough to make wise decisions. Listen to how Solomon describes it in Proverbs 10. He says in verse 23, Proverbs 10, he says, A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. You see, fools care more about their pleasures. Doing the wrong thing or finding fulfillment in the moment is sort of fun. It's sort of sport for the fool. Don't you know where that leads? Yeah, but it's fun. It's pleasurable. I mean, I enjoy it right now. And God's like, no, no, you're returning to your what? What's the word? You're returning to your vomit. No, it's not vomit. It tastes great. That's the image here, church. And I hope you remember that. Oh, it tastes great. (laughs) And those who are wise look at you or me or someone in this chair, in this circumstance, decision, whatever of their life, and we say, no, that's vomit you're eating. If you have an area of your life where you find yourself saying, I know it's wrong, I know it's not the best thing to do. I know it's not the wise thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyways. Solomon says, in that area of your life, you're a fool. You know the right path. You know what you've been called to, and you choose to not care enough to pursue the right path. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, Paul told Timothy, hey, pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness paul said go after that that's that's your life that that is what you need you need to go after this is wisdom to pursue goodness how many of us live in this space with respect to our relationship with god how many of us when it comes to our relationship with god find ourselves the fool And I know we're sitting there going, well, that's not me. That's not me. I pursue God. God calls us in his word to pursue him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? He calls us to pour into his word, to read his word, to study his word, to memorize his word, to have conversations with him, what we call in church prayer. Right? But the fool is the spiritually lazy person. It's the person who knows those are an important part of their walk with the Lord as a Jesus follower, but they don't care enough to do anything about it. They have more important priorities in their life. Let me ask you, and I just want you to be honest. Are you spiritually lazy when it comes to your relationship with God? Are you spiritually lazy? I don't tend to go down this path because I, I, I don't want someone to think it comes across as legalism. So you know it's not how I normally communicate, but I just think in terms of, you know, I, I was even examining my own life and growing up watching my dad's one-year Bibles pile up on his dresser next to his bed. 
And I ask the question, how many, Chris, how many times have you read the Bible all the way through? I want to ask you, how many times have you read the Bible all the way through? How many times have, maybe you haven't read the whole Bible, how many times have you read the New Testament entirely through? Let me ask you, if you've been in the faith 20, 30, 40 years, how many times have you? How often do you read and pour into the Word of God? Daily? Weekly? Monthly? Every once in a while? How many times per week? Psalm 119 talks about delighting in the Word of God, delighting in the commands of God. It's an incredible passage. I encourage you to read it this week. It says, the Word is our guide. Psalm 119, 105, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A wise Jesus follower pours into the Word of God as nourishment for their soul. To provide direction, to provide life for their daily living. That's the wise follower. The wise follower of Jesus devotes themselves to God's teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, to service, to disciple making. So let me ask you, those of you who are Christ followers here this morning, how's your prayer life? Are you wise when it comes to your prayer life? How about your service to God? You know what your service to God is? It's simply your ministry here at the church. How's your ministry here at the church? Is there a ministry? What's your ministry? How's your mission? What's your mission? You know, what did Jesus say in Matthew 28? He said, go and make what? Anybody know? Go and make what? Disciples. That was God's command to us. He said, you go out, you make disciples. How's your mission? How's, how's your involvement in God's mission to make disciples? And I know many times we find ourselves saying to ourselves, you know, here's what we say. I know, I know, I know, I know. Here's what we do. And we, and we beat ourselves up, and sometimes we let the enemy beat us up, and sometimes preachers beat us up, and that's never my intention. But how many times we find ourselves saying, I know, I, I really should be in the Word more often. I really should spend more time in prayer with the Lord. I, I know His Word gives me life, and, and I haven't prioritized it. I, I know I should reach out to people more. I should talk to my neighbors. I should pray for them. I, I know I should be serving in the church and our justification might be, well, of course I care. That's kind of how we satisfy that. And you know what Solomon says? You know what the Bible says? No, not really. We don't care enough. Solomon says that's not wise decision-making with your time. That's the fool. Because the fool knows, but doesn't care enough to do something about it. What's the cure for a fool? Have you ever thought about this? If the cure for the, the simple or the naive, you know, is experience or time, the cure for the fool, you know where it often is? Because a lot of us find ourselves sitting here. Oftentimes it's tragedy, isn't it? Isn't that the cure for us? We have to hit, learn the hard way. We have to crash. We have to burn. We have to hit rock bottom. We have to face the consequences of our decisions. One consequence of the fool, listen to Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Do you realize that the tragedy of being a fool, you know what's right, but 
You're not pursuing that. You kind of have this either I don't care or I got other priorities or I don't care enough. The tragedy of the fool is you don't just hurt yourself. You're hurting those around you. And you can say all day long, well, that's not my intention. Yeah, but they're still hurt. Yeah, but I, I really never meant to hurt anybody. Yeah, but you did. Those around you, when you find yourself sitting in this chair, your friends, your family, you see, the Bible's telling us in this passage, they suffer because of your foolish choices. Are you the foolish believer who knows God says to forgive, but doesn't? And you've been carrying something around, and you haven't forgiven, and those around you are suffering because of that. Maybe it's that foolish believer who, God's clear on financial stewardship practices, and you know, but you haven't done much about it, and those around you who are close to you suffer with your financial choices and decisions that you're making. If you're making foolish choices, you're, as one translation says, ruining people around you. The fool knows better but doesn't care enough to pursue God's wisdom or God's will, as Ephesians 5.17 goes on to say, says seek wisdom and then pursue God's will. The last category. Now, the last category i got to tell you right now, this is somebody you don't want to work for. This is somebody you don't want to be married to. This is the mocker. The mocker. Now, what does the Bible say about this particular individual? Uh, this, this is a tough one. Uh, this is the person who the Bible oftentimes uses the word scoffer. Scoffer. The mocker is kind of like a fool on steroids, Okay. It's the fool on steroids. They don't simply, they, they, they don't simply do what's wrong or, or, you know, they might even know. They don't do what's wrong. They're critical and condescending of those who do what's right. You know what I, the type of person I'm talking about, right? It's tough to be around mockers, isn't it? They kind of get you off balance and, 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 and it's tough to know how to respond and react. And, and, and they're the type of people who tend to try to control the room. They control the situation, the conversation. They try to control it through their criticism, through their cynicism, through their condescension, through their spiritual superiority. They're always trying to control. <laughs> Listen to what Solomon says about the mocker. Proverbs 9, verse 7. He says this, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. And then in verse 8, I love how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, So don't bother correcting or rebuking a mocker. They'll only hate you. You ever found yourself trying to correct or rebuke a mocker? You ever found that? Didn't go too well, did it? Solomon's saying, Hey, in my experience as the wisest person who's ever lived... If you have to deal with a mocker, good luck. Good luck. Because you're not going to talk them into changing. You're not going to show them any new information where they go, Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you. They're not interested in wisdom, knowledge, insight. They're not interested in truly knowing the truth. Oftentimes, mockers will mock because they don't want to face up to truth. They don't want to be held accountable. 
to God, for starters, or to others next. By the way, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8 ends this way. It mentions the, 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 the wise person. It says, if you correct the wise, because it talked about correcting the mocker, it says, don't bother, but correct the wise and they will love you. Why is that? Because if you're a wise person, you seek understanding. If you're a wise person, you don't allow arrogance or an overblown self-esteem or self-righteousness or having the sense to have to control everything. You don't allow that to guide your life or to dictate your relationships. The, the wise person is the learner. It's the person who is wanting to learn and wanting to pursue Jesus and, and, and pursue Jesus passionately and wants to know their heavenly Father intimately and deeply. So they allow God to speak into their lives through their boss, through the family members, through kids, through a spouse, through preachers, and through his word. I've experienced in my life the opportunity to have to correct or rebuke wise people. It's easy. Because you know they're not worried about what you, who you are or attacking you. They receive, this might be from God, and I want to be open to it. Big contrast between the mocker and the wise person. I love Paul's prayer for the Philippians when he said this. He said, he said, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. What is he saying? He's saying, man, I'm praying that you can be wise. Because I want you to be able to discern what is best. Why? So that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Eventually, the simple, the fool, and the mocker, one day they will need wisdom. At some point in their life, they will actually have to make a right decision they will have find themselves in a situation where they have to work something out. They have to get out of debt. They have to break an addiction. They need some friends. They need to rescue a marriage or fix a second or third marriage or whatever the case may be. They may need to reestablish contact with their children. They may now need to actually make a real genuine connection with God. At some point along the way, everybody who's sitting in these seats right here eventually needs wisdom. And so with that in mind, I want us to all turn now to Proverbs chapter 1, and this is where we're going to wrap it up this morning. Proverbs chapter 1. And whether you turn there or uh, tap on your screen, I want us to read this together. It won't be on the screen. There's too many verses. We're going to go through a bunch of them. And Solomon in this passage, as you're turning there, I'm going to give you the context. Solomon presents wisdom as a woman who stands in the street, who's begging those in these three seats, get up, get out of these seats, because if you stay in one of these seats or any of these seats too long, there comes a point where it's too late to get out. So wisdom is calling out to us this morning. God is speaking to us. He's begging us, get out of these seats. Let's start in verse 20, Proverbs chapter 1. There's the context. Here's wisdom crying out. It says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. 
In other words, wisdom's available to all of us. If you want it, it can be yours. And then she asks a specific question, verse 22. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? In other words, how long are you going to sit here and have to learn the hard way? How long are you going to sit in the simple seat? Verse 22. How long will mockers delight in their mockery? How long will mockers delight in their mockery? How long are you going to hide behind the fact that you just criticize everybody and everything into submission? How long are you going to do that? Another day, week, month, year, decade? Another busted up relationship? How long, mockers, are you going to allow criticism and cynicism and condensation to drive your life? And... How long, fools, are you going to hate knowledge? How long, fools, are you going to hate knowledge? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know that's important, but I don't care enough. And he's like, how long are you going to do that? Listen to what wisdom says, verse 23. Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke. Here's the challenge. Get ready. Here's the reap what you sow. Verse 25. Since you disregard my advice, notice what he says. I will, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock You, when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, if you sit in these seats long enough, if you choose to ignore the wisdom of God in your life, for whatever reason is driving you to ignore God's wisdom. God says, when disaster strikes you, at that point, look at verse 28. When now you're in tragedy, verse 28, they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. In other words, wisdom saying, look, I'm warning you, sit there too long, and when you need me, it's too late. Now, we're not talking about, this is wisdom right now. We're not talking about God. God's got the miracle thing. We'll talk about that in a second. We're talking about wisdom. And what he's talking about, I've seen it all too often as a pastor. I meet with people, and sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes, and I don't say it out loud, but sometimes I'm meeting with people, and I'm listening to their story, and it's absolutely heartbreaking to me. And and what I'm thinking in my head is, you know, because I'll I'll always ask, what is it that you want? And they'll start sharing what they want, and certain circumstances, not always, but a, a lot of times it's like, man, I'm thinking to myself, you can't have it at this point. You've done permanent damage to the relationship. You've done permanent damage in some cases even to your soul. Not from God's perspective. God redeems. God restores. God does miracles. But even in the midst of God doing redeeming miracles, there's still consequences to our decisions that we've made. Proverbs 1.30, Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, wisdom says they will eat the fruit of their ways In other words, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And as a counselor, pastor, friend, none of us can erase the cause and effect consequences of reaping and sowing. It's going to happen. 
a harvest is coming. You will reap what you sow. And so God calls out to us and says, don't stay in these seats. Get out of these. That's why we're inviting you, ask this defining question. Because Proverbs 132 says, the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency, that's the they don't care enough, the complacency of the fool will destroy them. And that really should kind of freak us out a little bit. But whoever listens to me, in other words, church, God's calling out to you this morning. He's speaking to you saying, ask this defining question. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear or harm. Man, as a Jesus follower, as someone here, we did a whole series on following Jesus, and a lot of you have said, man, that's my greatest desire. Say yes to God. Follow Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. You owe it to yourself to get out of these chairs. And sometimes you're sitting in all three, like you're laying on it, right? Sometimes you're laying there. God's like, come on, get up. In light of your past circumstances, in light of your present situations, in light of your future hopes and dreams. So what's the wise thing to do? With whatever circumstances, decisions, your relationship with others, especially your relationship with God, what's the wise thing to do? Which seat are you in? Let's pray. God, I know without a doubt, this message has the potential to just wreck us. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit has been speaking to each person. And that there's been no nudging of elbows. The only thing that's happened is each person here has felt your elbow sort of nudge them inviting us to get out of these seats and start pursuing you in a wise way. And God, I hope and pray as we've tried to share from your word that you've spoken, you've spoken to each heart no matter where somebody's at. God, we want to be people who love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our choices, our decisions so often get in the way of that. So God, help us. Help us to pursue you and to pursue your wisdom. And we ask for this. I ask this for everybody here, God, in Jesus' name. And God, even as we get ready to give you, to worship you with our offerings, God, we do this right now because we know you've called us to this. This is not just a command. It's not just a good thing to do. It's not just part of being a, a Christ follower. God, this is, this, there's so much wisdom that you actually give us in your word behind choosing to give you our first fruits, behind choosing to give you this offering. And I pray, God, that more and more people in the church would get up out of the foolish chair. God, we know statistics actually tell us that so many and so many chairs, people in churches sit in the foolish chair because they know, they know, they know what this time is. And yet they haven't cared enough to pursue you in this. So God, I pray... Your spirit has been speaking to some people as it pertains to their worship of you through giving of an offering and that they would choose the wise thing to trust you first and foremost by giving a portion back to you so you can use this to grow your kingdom so that you can use this to grow the individual who gives to you. So God, we worship you in this time right now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.